I want to be viewed from the 19th and 20th verse, but when you catch, when you find that implication of COVID and then come to the fifth chapter of St. John, I want to be reading some scriptures over that I used in uh, subject months before, and while I was studying on that subject, uh, these few words came to my mind and I jotted them down, and uh, from there on, uh, God formed a message in my heart that I want to deliver this morning. But I want to read from the fifth chapter of Matthew, and then we'll be going to 1 Corinthians. I'd like to read, I suppose, about the first seven verses. Uh, this, of course, is the man that was helpless at the pool. It says, And after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market, or sheep gate of pool, which is in the Hebrew tongue of this, to have five porches. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, tall, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time, or a certain season, into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after troubling the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty-eight years, thirty and eight years. And when Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Let's read the other verse. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another step down before me, and Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And of course we've dealt with the impotent man and uh, his desire, of course, to uh, be able to do what everybody else did. But there's a question that formed itself in my mind that I give quite a bit of concern and study to in prayer. I think the question probably that's pertinent to you and I, well, every one of us this morning. That's a question Jesus asked at first, a very confusing question. A question you would wonder why he would ever ask of a man that's in that situation. But nevertheless, the question, I was there for a reason. God doesn't just uh, move upon people to write a book just to fill the pages. Right. There's a reason why he asked him that, and the reason why this is recorded, and the reason why we want to delve into it this morning. The question is by Jesus to the impotent man, 38 years with an infirmity, was, Wilt thou be made whole? Right. Wilt thou be made whole? I first looked at that and I thought, that's certainly not a very pertinent question to a man that has laid there and drug himself to the pool of Bethesda time and time again, trying to get into where the water is troubled and finding that he can't get there, and yet in spite of that, comes back almost every day in, in order to hope that someone will help him in the pool. And then here comes Jesus who looks down at him, of course, knowing that he was evidently annoyed that he had been in this case or in this position for a long time, 38 years in this position, and God only knows how long, that he had been coming to the pool, and Jesus looks at him with all his following authority and says, Will thou be made whole? Now it seems like a very uh, impossible question, one that should never be asked. But nevertheless, one that was asked by Jesus and for a good reason. I think reason number one, so that it would be recorded and we 
myself the question, and number two, to have an addition to this in 1 Corinthians, which we'll get to, but number three, and I think something we ought to, ought to miss, is Jesus was trying to find the will of that individual. Yes. You see, because an individual is infinite, because an individual can't necessarily do what he thinks he ought to do, it's no sign that he wants to be made completely whole. And Jesus knew this. This man maybe was making a better living at day than he would be at work. And I thought as I looked at that, perhaps that is why so many um, people today do not desire to be made completely whole. Now I realize it sounds like an ignorant question. I realize the first answer would be, well, of course I want to be made whole. Do you think I like this position? But Jesus was trying to ascertain what was the will of this man. After all, I think he records that there is uh, such records of a vessel that cannot be made whole again. Uh, just turn to Jeremiah the 19th chapter, the 11th verse, and let me uh, quickly read that. And shall say it to them, Jesus talking about, uh, God talking about Israel, thus saith the Lord of hosts. Even so will I break this people in this city as one great a potter's vessel that cannot be made whole again. Now there has to be certain things within a life, a certain desire, and a man's will must always be ever present to receive that. And Jesus was trying to ascertain that the limbs were broken, no doubt. He wasn't able to move by himself in the pool, and Jesus was trying to find out, does he have the will? Does he have the desire? Does he really want to be healed? And of course, the man gave the answer to the question, sure, I want to be healed. But do you think I brought myself to this position and tried to get in for all these many years? Of course, I want to be healed. And Jesus is saying something off the cuff. Well, then, just take up your bed and walk. It's that simple. And of course, that must destroy the individual. But it says he was made whole. And I want us to keep that question in our mind this morning as we turn to 1 Corinthians, the uh, 6th chapter, 19th and 20th verse. And let us ask ourselves the question all through this, will we be made whole? And Jesus, speaking through the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, again asks the question, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God yes. in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Yes. Now there's not a controversy. Some commentaries say that in your spirit, uh, they have omitted this. And uh, the original authorities say that not only is that in there, but it is written, glorify God in your spirit, and in your body, and in your mind. In other words, it's asking that the whole man glorify God. Yes, amen. That the whole individual, not only in the spirit, which God inserts within us, but with this mind of ours, and with this body, all of man is to glorify God. And I think God is asking a question to us this morning, are we as his people in a position and are we desirous to be made completely whole? Mm -hmm. Come on. Completely whole in spirit, 
blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Body comes from the Greek word soma. Of course, everybody knows what body is. But mind comes from the word nous, which is the faculties, our perception, our understanding, the feeling, judging, our determining. And spirit, of course, is numa. That's life principle, that part of man which is God conscious. I look at that question again. Will thou be made whole? Will you be complete in mind? Will you be complete in spirit? Will you be made whole in body? And in this, this sense, you can glorify God in protection. The way that God is wanting. Now the Apostle Paul, let's deal with spirit first. Glorify God in your spirit. Paul, of course, is speaking to spirit-filled believers, so we have to assume that he's speaking of the Holy Spirit, not the spirit of the old man. And many times in our services, we glorify our raise and honor God with our spirit. For this spirit, even against all odds, will always glorify God. This is the part of man that uh, John, I believe, is talking about. Whenever he says that it cannot see, he's talking about that seed that cannot see. Right. And this spirit of God that is in wealth in us has never known sin, does not know sin now, and never will know sin. So that portion of us inside is perfect. It is always raising and honoring God to the height and to the limit, regardless of what the rest of us do at all. Against all odds, the Spirit of God will glorify God. Have you ever noticed, and let's be honest with ourselves, have you ever noticed when your spirit is worshiping, when you're honoring something inside is turning over, and you're honoring and you're praying, and that spirit is really worshiping God, but this mind of yours is in turmoil. It's going every direction. I first looked at that and I caught myself the first time. I have to admit that I was plagued with this. I thought, man, you're hypocritical. I mean, you're a hypocrite standing up here and the spirit moving inside of you and your mind is everywhere. I thought, God, there's something wrong with me. And then, of course, that question, when you been made whole? When you allow me to take the rest of you, the other part of you, I place the spirit inside. And it's going to worship God. It's going to turn over whether you lift a hand, whether you open your mouth, or open or close your eyes. Inside that spirit, it's going to be glorifying God. Because it has never seen it's sinless. And that's the seed that's, that's within us that knows no sin. That part has been perfected within us. But the times when the Spirit is glorifying God, it's moving from the uttermost inside. And many times we're even forced to raise our hand, or to raise our voice, or to just look up in contemplation of this mind is flittering here, and flittering there, and flittering somewhere else. Well, it's that simple. Your mind hasn't been made whole. Amen? Let's say again, your mind has not been made whole. But by the same token, you are still worshiping God through that spirit that indwells you. That's why it's important to have that spirit resident within you. So some portion of you will always glorify God. Amen. I looked at that for a long time and I, I got on myself. I thought that's hypocritical. You're standing.
standing up there. There's something inside. You're feeling good. Your mind's at home. Your mind's on your work. Your mind's on somebody else. You're picking out somebody in the audience, congregation, wondering why they're doing what they're doing. All at the same time, that spirit inside is turning over. What's the matter with you, boy? And God let me to know that that spirit would always glorify him. And that spirit would always have an access. And this mind had to be conquered. And I thought, well, God, thank you. And I said, Spirit, just have yourself a time until I get in full mind under control of you. Just go ahead and worship God. Hallelujah. A lot of us stand sometimes what we think a hypocritical state. And we ought to say, uh, Spirit, you just go ahead and you worship God. I'm going to get this mind under the same control that the Spirit is. And then we're going to have ourselves a time. to calculate, to move like the Spirit wants us to move. And look, don't sit back on God. Don't take yourself hypocritical just because the Spirit wants to move and your mind is flipping around someplace. But then the devil into that mind. That Spirit's all right. It'll take care of itself. You just go ahead and glorify God. If your mind is at home, your Spirit is with God anyway. And it's glorifying God. If your mind is outside someplace, the Spirit is in the presence of God. Just let the Spirit have a good time in your life. Hallelujah. That's what it's doing to me now. Glory to God. Don't sit there and look at me. I feel good. And I'm going to move it out in the presence of God. There's something inside of me that has no emotion and cannot be bound by my flesh. It will honor God. Maybe not the way sometimes it would like to get out, but it has connection with God because it's His Spirit. And he says, glorify God in your spirit. Paul was a hard taskmaster. He was saying, in essence, now it's just not enough to have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has to have you. Amen. And if it gets you, it's going to get your mind and it's going to get your body until a whole sense of man is under subjection to the power and moving of the Holy Spirit. And Paul said, now that may take a little time. It may take a little more time on us hard heads, on us hard hearts, on us confused, but it will happen. But it has to be a willing mind. Right. Corinthians says it. Paul speaking to them again. says there must be first a willing mind. In other words, I think we'd be perfect this morning if we'd ask ourselves the question, will we be made for? God has the ability. God has the power. I think it deals with us. A willing mind. Are we willing to let God have this mind? Will we work on it? Will we really work on letting God have this mind? Peter said, I want to serve your pure mind in the way of remembrance. And the best thing to let God have your mind is start remembering this word. Start remembering this blessing. Start contemplating what he has done, what he's going to do. And let him occupy your thoughts. Amen. And let him put down your vain imagination. But while this is going on, let spirit in here have his time. Let me worship God. Lift your hands and your mind someplace else. Lift your hands. Lift your eyes. Lift your voice to God. Let the spirit, which is perfect, let us have his perfect way. And don't feel hypocritical about it. I think that's why, oh, I think that's what's made Pentecost a lot more silent than it is. 
You know, a lot of the annoying starts to always smash. Amen. I realized a lot of it was. I realized it was motivated by flesh. But a lot of the noise and a lot of the actions was not flesh. It was their desire to let that spirit inside of them express itself. And then we come under condemnation simply because we have recognized and the word is creeped our heart and we recognize that there's a part of us worshiping God and another part of us is someone else. And we become silent because we felt hypocritical. I want to say that again. Don't do that. Let the Spirit worship God and go to work on this mind of yours. Bring it under control. Now you're not going to do that by being the end of this service and listening to me uh, uh, rant and rave for 30 minutes. You're not going to do it that way. It has to start at home. It has to continue at your work and it has to come into the service. And He wants your mind not only at service time, but He wants your mind all the time. How many of you have ever been about your work? I mean, your, your whole being was involved in your work. You know, a lot of saints, we just have to think one thing at a time. And that spirit will handle some of it. And you have no mind whatsoever on anything else. And there is something stirred inside. Yes. Hallelujah. Begin to move. Well, that's the Holy Ghost. And He just wants you to know He's there. And that He's in contact with the omnipresent God. And that He is going to worship whether the rest of you do or not. He's going to do it. Let him do it. Thank God. Let him have himself a time. Yes. At this time, oh God, if you get this time, what intellectual minds are out here that are going to waste because they're not God, God conscious? What high values there is in the human mind have simply been wasted upon frivolous and foolish things of this world to build something that is going to perish at the end. If we could just some way channel those thoughts in the presence of God and be reminded of thinking God with How do you let him do that? But Peter, Philippians, Paul tells them, you've got to let this man be in you that was in Christ Jesus. You see, not only his spirit, but the mind, the desire to let the spirit do whatever he wants to do. To think good thoughts. And Romans puts a capstone on that. As he said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, why do you want to do that? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, he's telling us that unless we have his mind and his signs in us, we cannot prove or know what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. You see there is a divine will there is a will that man can give to god that's directed by the holy ghost almost every time and then there's something god just allows us to do you know he he, he don't necessarily just just chastise us for it and later on down the road we get in trouble but this man can know his perfect will if it can prove what is that good and acceptable will of god then we can glorify God in our minds. And I sometimes stand and hesitate. I don't even think there's, we got trouble here. I don't even think there's any way whatsoever that we can imagine.
to the height that individuals could rise to, that churches could rise to, that we could find a complete man under bondage of the Lord Jesus Christ. A prisoner, Paul said, of the Lord Jesus Christ. How Paul said, my spirit not only worships him, but my mind is continually on him. I'll even give my body to the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ. That everything I have belongs to him. Yes. And that man said in his prison cell and wrote the gospel, or not the gospel, but wrote the books and wrote them to the churches and challenged life and changed four lives and probably a thousand people in our generation. Of course, Jesus looked at him one time and said, will you be made whole? Will you be made whole? Will you be completely mine? And Paul, of course, answered that he would. And the Spirit came. And that was perfect. And Paul honored him. And his mind had become an interest in the Word. He studied and tried to find out visions and revelations was him. Simply because his mind had become a channel for the Holy Spirit to speak through. God would speak to many of us this morning. He would speak to a lot of us tonight if we just had an open channel for him to get through to us. And that's what he's asking. Well, we need to prove. In fact, we're going to have to have the spirit in perfection to prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. Amen. But God's word is not only concerned, God's not only concerned about the spirit, God's concerned about the mind and mm -hmm. as bad as you like to say he's concerned about the body. Yes, he is. Salvation is for the whole man. Mm -hmm. And in glorifying God, we're apt to pay very little attention to the body. I think perhaps this has been the downfall of a lot of spirit-filled people. It's because they have not recognized that God wanted the spirit to take captive the body and the mind. You know, we've come in times past and lifted up and honored God and paid very little attention to our body, how we treated it and what it did in the sight of the world. That's right. Perhaps we could correct this if we could remember how much influence the body has on the mind. Get sick. Let the body get sick and see if that doesn't begin to work right up here in this old mind. It's not as fresh. It doesn't think as many holy thoughts as it ought to think because it's self-conscious, because it's sick. Let's consider this morning what God has to say about the body. He says, 1 Corinthians 6, 20, it's for the Lord. It's for His service and it's for His glory. And we have to serve God with our body. The body should be set apart for God. How much more useful this body would be if we cultivated physical health. Mm -hmm. Amen. Come on. If we pay some attention to what we're doing to it, we overtax it sometimes. Yes. We work too many hours, and a lot of work too many hours, but we play too many hours. Right. We don't pay enough attention to what we eat and the exercise we give to it. He wants it in a position where it can be of the best interest to him that it could possibly be. I think healing is wonderful. And I think God has said in our midst, but I don't think after reading the Bible 
and the laws of health that God has said. I don't think God is as much concerned about the healing of our bodies as he is about initiating perfect health. Right. A plan whereby maybe we wouldn't get as sick as often, as many times as we do in our day. This is recognizing this body belongs to God. Yes. Now a lot of us don't recognize this because we feel like and we come to church, that's fine. And we worship God, we've given that to God, and we can go and take our own bodies and our mind any place else we want to and do whatever we want to with it, and God's still going to be satisfied, but He stops. He thanks you for having the Spirit inside. He welcomes that communion, that part of you, and that was set inside, and He might grab your mind and give your body so that your whole being would put an emphasis upon salvation of a lost and dying world. He's concerned about how we worship Him in our body. Our uncared for bodies sometimes are very grievous burdens and they're hindrances to a lot of us. Disorders, bodies contagious, often spreads to mind, severely cripples one's ability to honor God. And your body is a member of Christ. Yes. I want to lay something on you. I don't want you to just throw it out. I want you to think about it. He took our nature. Not only did he take our spiritual nature and our mental nature, but he took our bodily nature. And because of that, that makes us one with him in our whole being, our spirit, our mind, and our body are closely identified with the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And with his mind. And with his spirit. You see, oftentimes we want to get by and say he took our nature. He took our spirit and felt as we felt in the spirit. But friend, he took our body also. Came, oh my God, veiled himself in human flesh and walked the shores of Galilee. And became one with us in our whole being. Yes. And we've been purchased by Christ. When he redeemed, he redeemed man in his entirety. Our bodies have a part in that great salvation. Yes. Now just how important is your body? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a temple of the Holy Ghost. Yes, it is. That's how important it is. The Shekinah, glory of all that God, no longer dwells in a tent in a wilderness. It no longer dwells in Solomon's great temple or Herod's temple. God has chosen that the body of man should house the omnipresent Spirit of God and the Shekinah glory dwells within you. Amen. And you see, God likes to dwell in a house that's in order. God likes to dwell in a house that people would like to look upon. God likes to dwell in a house that's filled with beautiful things and great things. It's a solemn song. And yet, it is so often forgotten while the body of Christ, God dwells in this body. We're the outer framework of the sanctuary of the divine spirit. Then not only did Jesus have the omnipresent God and the Shekinah God and we have it this morning also if so many that we have the Holy Ghost in our life we house His Spirit. Yes. We become a place for Him 
Let us know in these parts. Let us know that 
There's something in there that he is going to use to make a new body from this old vile thing. And I thank God. I'm glad it's not the end of things when I walk to the graveyard and hear the last prayer say, and lay it on the body of the grave. I thank God that I know that's not about the end of that thing. God's got something else planned for that thing, and it's going to be used. What do we realize, There is a need for your body of Christ. Wherefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. And in your mind, which of God, your spirit is important. Yes. Let it praise you. Let it praise you. Come into the service, your mind is all confused. You went far over the home, so much with your kids, so much with your husband. And you come into church because something inside of you that that's where you need to be. So you come into church and you sit there. Inside the spirit of heaven, never to be you. You know which Who do you think you're feeling? Come over here and act in your worship. And the first thing you know is all men left in the hill and give you pain. But all the time, that spirit changes out. Hush it up in the heart. That's that spirit that takes you. That's that seed that knows you. That's that spirit that is always with you. Hey, listen. My God thinks we ought to use it. It's our salvation a lot of times. And while we're doing that, let's work on this old hard head, this old contrary mind that's worldly sometimes and wants the benefits of this world sometimes. Let's work on that. But let's get it under control. And let's let it be a part of glorifying and raising and honoring God. Raising and honoring with your mind. I'm in this body that would counsel with us. Let it be involved in some exercise of life. I've got a son of all. Actually, I'm going to be. And it kind of made me feel ashamed. But I've got a son of all. Oh, he's got muscles. Because that's, how, that's all he ever did in the ways. You know, he's proud of his body. That's all. I think maybe this will disappear. Some more come over here. Might be over there. There's nothing wrong with that. But I told him one time, I said, Look, that's fine. You get that body in perfect position. But put a little wood on the mind. Every mile of the road, he said, this is more great. 